So I thought maybe this week wasn't the week to write an ordinary sermon. Not the week to put together something thoughtful and maybe a little clever, something theological, something profound. So I decided to just talk for a few minutes this morning. We are living in some precarious times. I know that the coronavirus is on all of our minds. How many of us had maybe a second thought or two about coming this morning? Maybe a little bit. How many of us are spending a little too much time on our Facebook feed, a little too much time on CNN and MSNBC, a little too much time wondering where all of this will go? Well, I'm wondering where it will go as well. I don't think any of us knows, and I think that there's the fine balance between taking ordinary precautions and not being foolish enough to do things that put ourselves in harm's way. And one of the reasons that I wanted to uh, come this morning was that that the, the panic and the fear was so strong in me, I thought, well, I think this almost every Sunday, I think, will anybody show up? Is anybody going to come? Is anybody going to come to church? You know, this, this funny thing that we do once a week, this kind of formal thing in a formal room where we sing and we listen to somebody speak for a little bit and there's a children's message. Is anybody going to come and do this this morning? And then I thought, of course, because the very thing that we do together on a Sunday morning is actually what's most needed in a world that has too much information and too much fear and too much speculation. We come together and we see each other. This is a real-time proposition, church. It is as low-tech as it gets. Simply coming and being with folks who we know will accept us just as we are, what an amazing gift to be given week after week just knowing that there's a space that we can come into, and it doesn't matter how we're feeling that day. It doesn't matter if we are full to brimming with joy or if we have just had some deep heartache, some terrible sadness in our lives. We get to come here and just be with other people for this hour or so, and that's an amazing thing. So you all came to church this morning, and I'm glad I think that there will be probably some changes in the weeks to come. We'll keep you posted. I don't know what it's going to be like as this thing unfolds, but I want to reassure you that the church staff is going to be as on top of this as we can, and we will take reasonable precautions, so keep an eye open for communications from us. But for the moment, we're all here. We're all here in this amazing room. This is a room that can then can hold us all and has ho- held so many of the ceremonies of our lives. This space is simply infused with all of our good, tension, good intentions and all of our laughter and all of our tears. I want to talk a moment this morning about two people in particular who are no longer coming to this room, even though they are held in blessed memory by so many of us, and that is Tim and Becky Blodgett. I know that many of you were here not too many weeks ago for Tim Blodgett's memorial service. That was a hard thing for me to get through just because I loved Tim so much. It was hard to get through Becky's service when she died a few years ago, but we still had Tim. But at Tim's service, it was so clear to me that we had 
said farewell to two people who had loved this place to their very bones. So I want to tell you just a little bit about Tim and Becky, and I know that this will help them grow even larger in your estimation. It'll come as no surprise that Tim and Becky were really generous monetarily to this congregation. They were two people that were very fortunate in their lives, and part of that good fortune was that they knew that they were fortunate, and they knew that part of their obligation was to give it away. So about six months or so before Becky died, she, uh, she emailed me, she, and she said, she said, I've got to see you right away. And so I emailed right back, and I said, okay, of course, you know, I, you can come in this afternoon if you'd like. I've got some time. And she said, I'll be right over. And I wondered to myself, I mean, what could be so urgent that Becky had to see me that afternoon? Well, she showed up, uh, impeccably dressed, as she always was, and we're in my office, and we sat down, and I said, I said, what's going on, Becky? And she said, she said, the accountant found a million dollars we didn't know we had. <laughs> and I thought, only in Concord. <laughs> only in Concord does one ordinary congregant just come in and tell the minister, the accountant found a million dollars we didn't know we had. So that's her opening line to me. And then her next line is, and i got to give it away. And I said, wow, this is amazing. Here you have found this windfall, and your first impulse is to give it away. She said, yep, we're going to give it all away. Every last dollar of it, we're not going to give it all in one place because we think if we spread it out, it'll do more good. Well, then my mind starts going, what does spread it around mean? (laughs) And so I said, I said, Becky, you know, kind of, what kind of chunks are we talking here, you know? And she said, she said, well, we think that if we give $50,000 to 20 different organizations, that that might make a difference for them. And I said, oh, sure will make a difference for them. And I said, I assume because you're in my office that we are one of the folks getting $50,000. She said, yep. I said, well, this is amazing. And she said, what do we do with this? How do you want to split the $50,000? Again, she's got a sense of urgency about this, so I'm having to think on my feet. And I said, well, I can think of two places where the church might use just an extra $50,000. I said, the steeple's getting a little shabby, so why don't you put $30,000 toward the steeple repair, and we'll use it to kind of get more gifts, and we'll collect the money we need for that. And I said, why don't you give the other $20,000 to the minister's discretionary fund? I said, that's the fund that helps all kinds of people. It helps people that I never even meet. Um, I work with the town social worker, and she often has cases of folks who are just at the end of their financial rope. And so the minister's discretionary fund pays for all kinds of things. It pays for dental work and medication. It pays for car repairs. It pays for all manner of things, large and small. And Becky thought that was a really great idea. So 30000 be used on this beautiful church that she loves so much, and $20,000 to just be given away to folks that she would never meet. That was a remarkable conversation. And I know that she gave away all of that million dollars to 20 different organizations. There are organizations all around town that will miss Tim and Becky, and we will miss them as well. 
because they are so generous to this congregation and they pledged year after year consistently. They would raise their pledge each year. And so there's a pretty big hole that we're trying to fill this year in their absence. And I know that this church has other folks who are in that range that have that degree of generosity to them and they give very generously to this congregation year after year after year. And I want to thank them. We as a congregation are so indebted to the folks who really have been fortunate enough in their lives to have lots and lots of means and who are generous with those. But that's not who I mostly want to talk about today. Who I want to talk about today are the folks, the other folks in the congregation. Our theme this year for the pledge campaign is building our base. And we want to do just that. We want to build the base of giving within the congregation that involves folks much more like the rest of us, not the folks who stumble on a million dollars every so often, but all of the rest of us. Folks that have jobs and have mortgages and have car payments and have kids in college and have kids in school, just the regular folks who make up the vast majority of this congregation. One of the places that we need to do a better job as a congregation is getting all of us to give a little bit more. Fully half of the congregation gives less than $1,000 per household per year. Now, I know there's some folks here that live on a fixed income. I want you to just plug your ears for the next minute and a half because I'm not talking to you. There are folks that are very, very generous who are living on not much income at all. And for that, we are most grateful. But I think many of us who are between those folks on a fixed income and the Tim and Becky Blodgetts of the world can inch it up just ever so slightly, just a little bit, and get our giving closer to that $1,000 per household per year or even above it. The truth is, if everybody was able to give $1,000 per household per year, I wouldn't even need to talk to you on this Sunday. We would simply have the fundraising done. And so this year, we're going to be reaching out to folks to see if they can uh, double or triple their pledges this coming year, see if we can get them a little bit closer. The other folks that we need to work with a little bit are the folks that do a pretty good job of ignoring me for six weeks as I talk about money. (laughs) I'm not going to name any names, but there were a 100 households in this congregation last year that didn't participate in the pledge campaign. And so you all may be putting money in the plate, but you wind up being a zero uh, when it comes uh, time to make the budget because we just don't know how much money is going to be able to come in. So we're going to try and get a whole bunch of other folks on the board this year. And hopefully we have a fun way to do that. We are going to roll out what's called the 520 Challenge this year, which means if you raise your pledge by $520, in the coming year, you will be entered into a raffle for a very nice prize. I'm working on a cabin on a lake for a weekend. This will be really great. So this 520 challenge is just a way to try and get us to uh, give a little bit more. It's trying to get some folks on the board who haven't been. And so I encourage you to think about that, to raise your pledge by $520 or more for the coming year. There are some exciting things that are going on here. We've got Liz Weber, who's our new Minister for Pastoral Care, and oh, what a joy it is to work with you, Liz. 
We've got Adrian Betancourt here, who's our new social action manager. And what you have done in the last two months is just amazing. And we can't wait to see where you're going to take this congregation in social justice. We are going to be saying farewell to Doug at the end of this year, and we'll have a new facilities manager coming on in September. It'll be a delight to get to know that person, and that's going to take just a little bit more money, too, because you all know what Doug does, and we are so grateful to him, and we're going to have to put a little bit more money toward that as well. So there's lots of reasons this year that we need about a 10% in the overall operating budget increase rather than the usual 5% uh, that we ask for. So this is the year to stretch just a little bit more. As I always do, I want to let you know how much I'm pledging in the coming year because I think that generosity is something that uh, can be modeled. This coming year, I'll be giving $7,600 to the church. It's been my practice throughout my ministry to give 5% of my gross income to the church, and then I try my hardest to give another 5% away to other various and sundry um, organizations that I support. So this next year, you can expect to get $7,600 from me. I encourage you to think about what this church means to you and to give very generously to it. When Becky left my office that day, she was a lot calmer because she'd figured out what to do with this money. She'd followed her first instinct, which was to be generous. And I gave her a little hug when she left, and I said, Becky, I said, I have never met anybody like you. I have never met anybody whose first thought was how can I spread this around? And she said, oh, me? I, you know, she, doesn't, she never thought about, of herself as being particularly generous or particularly smart or particularly competent. And I said, Becky, you are an amazing person in this congregation. And the thing that I know is that she is not alone. In fact, this congregation is full of Tim Blodgett's and full of Becky Blodgett's and that together we can all make this place thrive and make it grow and make it be the amazing, amazing community center that it is for Concord and this place where we can come week after week just as we are and be welcomed in. I hope you'll join in this pledge campaign. I hope you'll be inspired to give generously. And that's all I got to say this morning. Pay attention to your email. We'll figure out how to deal with this coronavirus thing, and we're all in it together. Thank you all so much.